Hi, Antoine. Thank you so much for joining us on Black Ink Cinema Podcast. Thanks for having me. So you're a presenter and a news reporter. And I have to say, when I was watching ITV News and I saw a black man in a suit with dreads, I was like, this is giving me life. And so we had to have you on the show, of course. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I get good <laughs> feedback um, about my hair and people who felt empowered by it, i.e. there's not many people who look mm -hmm. like me. There's, there's a few, there's Jordan who works for Channel 4, so I'm not alone, mm -hmm. but I'm local news, I'm on pretty much every single day. So if you happen to live in London, then you do get to see me quite a lot. Which is amazing. Did you always want to report news? What I want to do is documentaries. So this is kind of a platform to do that. So today I was filming a gun crime documentary. So I was up That's cool. from last night up until three o'clock this morning. I went on the raid with the police and we found two wow. and the person was um, arrested for class A drugs. Conspiracy to supply class A drugs, I should say. How um, was, were you scared? How was that? I wasn't scared because the police don't let you get close enough to do anything really. <laughs> it's dangerous okay. as such. Um, mm. that's, obviously risk assessment, they can't really let civilians get too close. But no, it wasn't the case of being scared, it's just something I've been researching for a while now and then trying to get them to agree, trying to get other people to agree. That's probably the hardest part of any situation. I think sometimes the public don't realise you can have an idea or you can want to interview someone, but they're, they're the people that have to say yes. Just because I want to yes. do it doesn't mean that they can agree to it. But the police did agree. Um, we've got some victims. So there's two mothers who lost their sons to gun crime and their sons weren't connected at all to it. It was literally a case of mistaken identity. So it was just kind of telling that story of one, how the guns get to the street and what are the police doing to catch them and stop them and to um, retrieve them. And then the human cost of what happens when essentially they don't catch the criminals or they don't get the guns and which is two young men have lost their lives. So yeah, hopefully people will learn from it and, I'll speak to people about re rehabilitation, i.e. when the police catch someone, they go to prison, but for the most part, they're not in prison for the rest of their life. At some point, they'll come back to the streets. So what we're doing yeah. to make sure they don't turn back to a life of crime. So yeah, hopefully um, people will learn from it and it will be quite impactful. Sounds amazing. When will we be able to watch it? Or... It should be around September. So nature okay. of this kind of filming, you can't predict when you can go on the raids. There's certain stuff that happens um is scheduled as such in terms of we went to where they store their guns so literally imagine a library of guns essentially shotguns um rifles handguns there was a rocket launcher like it's kind of crazy it wasn't a mixture it was a mixture of what they'd taken and what another department had combined into one story so i'm not sure there's many people yeah, the doubt is rocket launchers have been on London streets before, but they've taken it from someone else. But yeah. at the same point, there were some some ridiculous items, stuff that I wasn't even allowed to talk about and stuff that I wasn't allowed to film, which wow. is like a yeah. story I can tell, but it's, it's crazy some of the stuff they've taken off the streets. And the general premise is, it doesn't matter where you live in London, Oxford Street, Streatham, Brixton, Hackney, uh, Westfield, you don't see a gun shop. So in the no, UK, you shouldn't be able, really, unless you're a farmer or a professional shooter, to be able yeah. to get your hand on the, any kind of weaponry. Yet people do, and people die. So essentially, I'll be telling that story and um, explaining how, without too much detail, um, and more so explaining what the police do and how they catch people. 
sounds like a really honourable project and I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, so how did you get into news reporting? So I began as a presenter of live music events. So cool. I'd host at the O2, then I used to direct some like footage for people as well. Mm. where it's their band and I do interviews with the bands after the show before the show um that was just me trying to gain experience when you begin as a presenter you've got a show you can present essentially so yeah. from that and then did the rugby world cup from the rugby world <clears> cup <throat> I then did a couple more football stuff and then from there I then set up a blog which is called antonespeaks.co.uk from that I didn't set up my own website and I had a couple posts that went viral not two millions but they did okay yeah. and um i was just blogging away the guardian asked me to write an article so i wrote an article for them both based on one of my other blogs that i would written mm-hmm. and i was just building up experience essentially as a presenter so then i went to germany i was presenting football full-time okay. there for like half a year and whilst i was there i got my first opportunity to present like a, an actual proper documentary not for students or not yeah youtube um so i did a documentary about blackface in europe which uh, we went to Holland and there's a thing called Schwarterpiet. So during the Sinterklaas um, festival, we actually went there and I saw blackface in real life. Obviously, I've seen it on TV, I've seen it in pictures, but when you actually see it face to face, a real person is a little bit more annoying. Uh, so I kind of went there with the premise of them trying to explain to me why this isn't racist. But then I spoke to the protesters who protested against it. I saw the football hooligans who were obviously for it. I saw the regular normal folks who were for it as well so i tried to show every perspective of it and it's only a 10 minute documentary but i think we covered a lot we covered the history um there's a bbc documentary about blackface that's coming out now that was like solidified what i wanted Mm -hmm. to do so i studied war studies at university because there's a guy called john pilger he's john pilger he used to make documentaries for itv and he made documentaries around war so i kind of followed in his footsteps in terms of trying to gain that knowledge um, and bit by bit, I've been doing more documentaries. Luckily, I've been able to have fun along the way. I've done big sports events, and it's taken me around the world. And I've been able to enjoy life to an extent in terms of meet interesting people, talk to interesting people. And two years ago, I was given a trainee role at ITV, ITV News London, as a reporter. The documentary I was talking about is like the third documentary I've made for ITV. So, oh, two before that were about a footballer who moved to Greece, became an invincible, used to play for Arsenal. The other one was about a boxer who a world champion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's about a boxer who became a world champion. So each time it's highlighted someone from, the, um, each time it's highlighted a positive male role model, someone who's overcome some kind of adversity or made a significant change in their life. And then they've had um, a marquee moment, a milestone, some kind of achievement. And I love that. I do. Uh, one of the things that I noticed about your content was that it was very positive and there was always a story and it came from a very personal point of view, which is what I appreciated about it. Did you have any journalist idols growing up or people that you looked up to that drove you into this, uh, like the media sector? I think this is a case that everybody, especially from the black community, would have seen the Trevor McDonald's and the Moira Stewart's and seeing what they were doing in, in terms of just being just existing essentially sometimes it's not even what you do it's just you're in the room is enough and i found being that in that space yeah exactly i found that myself in terms of people come up to me in the street and they just kind of thank me for being in the room and i hope that they watch the content in terms of their 
they enjoy the content, they enjoy what I try and do and what the messages I try and bring across and the, the people I try and highlight. Um, mm. But at the same point, sometimes it's just being happy to know that there's someone there who, who potentially, at least, is fighting your corner or bringing yes. your perspective or or you've got someone you can turn to. So I've had stories whereby people have reached out to my family members who then contacted me. I had a, uh, oh, that's so former, cute. Yeah, I had a former soldier who wanted to talk about the racism he faced in the army. And that doesn't happen that often when it comes to soldiers talking about that. I had cool. different people who I'd worked with in previous lives. So I was an Arsenal steward for a while. And one of the guys I know, he became a, well, he is a sports psychologist. So when I did a report about the racism that Saka, Sancho and Rashford mm. experience, I was able to give him a platform to use his skills to tell the story of the the emotion that they would have gone through, the, not depression, but the mental anguish of being in such mm. a high pressure situation. He then yesterday or, or earlier today, he made a report with Channel 4. So you give an opportunity to one person, other yeah. people see, then they go on to do other things as well. Yeah. So sometimes it's you inspiring. Can, exactly. You can give them a, a, a person to open a door for them that might have been closed before simply because people didn't know they existed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's been good times like that. Awesome. So obviously you've probably experienced a lot of stories and come across a lot of people. Is there any particular stories that stick out to you or um, that anything that you've ever reported on that just stuck in your mind? Probably the story of Alexander Kareem. So Alexander Kareem was walking to the shops like a year ago and a month and so, and he got shot on the way and he died. And I go to that road. So it was a case that maybe I could have been walking on that road that same time. And yeah. the car that drove up to him could have drove up to me. When I spoke to his mum, like the same tears his mum has, my mum would have. So it was that story that made me think, how the hell are people getting guns in London? <laughs> like, even though like yeah. some people know, like sometimes I comment about it when I'm trying to promote what I'm doing. People are like, yeah, it's obvious. I'm like, it's not obvious to everyone. It's not obvious. Yeah, it's, re- it's really not obvious. No, exactly. Like some people, yeah, because yeah. you know about that life. Most of us aren't yeah. about that. So it's like... I still get scared when I'm in West Westminster and I see the big machine guns and I'm just like, yeah. I feel really awkward. I just feel... Yeah, when they walk around. Yeah. yeah. So um, it was that story particularly that made me think, there's a longer story here that can be told mm-hmm. and there's more that I can do to highlight. So even when I joined ICV London, I said, I'm going to make a documentary about youth violence in some way outside of that um i interviewed a another soldier who he's from fiji and mm-hmm. basically he still had to pay his nhs medical bill even though he fought for great britain and in, in the army so I just, when i hear things like that it really yeah, it's, it's, it's like a loophole it's, it's weird yeah. like you can put life on the line for the country but yeah. this is the british army size problem um but you don't get free medical care because he'd left at this point, but at the same point, like he put his life on the line. He was in hospital and his, his bill was like 27,000 pounds, like ridiculously high. He had to have brain surgery and he answered his daughters for maybe six or seven months. And we arranged for him to meet this rugby player who's raising money for him. So they met for the first time, which was nice. And we're in the park, Regent's Park, we set it up so he was facing me and we were kind of filming them meet. But he didn't know that his three daughters were coming behind him to give him a hug. So 
So he like turns around, gets his hug, doesn't really know what's going on, and everybody starts to cry. Like he's like, this is Oh crying. my god, I want to cry now. <laughs> I wasn't yeah, it was it was nice. It was like it was just a nice moment of like reconnecting a father to his daughters. Um, yeah. His medical bills had been paid. I think he's still got other stuff going on because he's technically not a citizen yet, so he's got to do this application thing. It was just a nice moment. So I always remember that. Sometimes you give people nice moments. And, yeah. um, it's it, nice to hear nice moments with everything yeah, exactly. going on. Um, exactly. I always love hearing anything positive. I'm like, oh, thank God it's giving me a bit more faith in humanity. Yeah, and, exactly. It's like the light and shade. And it's good to know that yeah. despite knife prime and COVID deaths, that there's still good people trying to do good things or there's people trying to change the world. And that doesn't always make national news because it's national. Like, so every area will have something bad that's happened and then that gets squeezed in to the whole of a national um, broadcast. Whereas local news, London, despite it being a huge area, you can still have half the show be newsy, as we say, and the second half can be more human interest stories. You touched upon COVID um, and the year, everything that's happened this year. Have you found it like your hardest year and a half in your career so far has it been difficult i think it's just different in terms of one no one had gone through it before um so everybody had to adapt uh two there's a lot of information out there and there's no point pretending that every journalist is a scientist or is a doctor mm. so even then we have to put our trust in the nhs and we'll ask the questions mm. that need to be asked but the professionals that know that stuff so Obviously, there's the health correspondent who's more clued up in this stuff than I am. But at the same yeah. point, we often forget that they're specialists in things for a reason. Because I wrote a post recently, for anybody that's into wrestling, most people, when they were young, they worked out that Santa wasn't real quite early. But people who are into wrestling thought that Kane and Undertaker were brothers for a long time. And it's not the case that they're stupid. It's just you had a different source of information that was telling you that something was true and you had no yeah. reason to doubt that until you gain further awareness of storylines, et cetera, et cetera. But um, we're here to celebrate all things black cinema and you chose the cult classic New Jack City starring Wesley Snipes, Ice-T and Chris Rock. Before we get into why you chose this film, do you want to let the viewers know what it's about a little bit? So New Jack City tells the story of a person called Nino Brown, who is played by Wesley Snipes. He is a career criminal and he is essentially the head of a gang called the CMB. And they come across base, which is, I'm not like a drugs expert, but I think it's a <laughs> form of crack cocaine. Yeah. And um, essentially it's before the cocaine like explosion, crack explosion in the 80s. So they're kind of proliferating that. And they take over a thing called the Carter, which is essentially a project. And from there, they start selling it and mass producing it. Then there's another uh, person who's called Scotty, who is um, a police officer who's iced tea. And he wants to take down Nino Brown. And caught in between that is Chris Rock's character, who is a drug addict, who eventually gets clean and something happens. So he essentially doesn't stay clean for much longer. And it's the story of essentially a cop with his own issues trying to take down a drug lord. But Wesley Snipes plays it with so much charisma. Um, it's very well written. The soundtrack's really good. Um, it tells the story of the 80s and uh, Ronald Reagan's policies through mm. the lens of the people who were trying to just make some money but are willing to exploit 
their own people. They're willing to kill people. They're willing to sell drugs. And then the police officers who are trying to take them down, who are the most diverse group of police officers of all time. One of them is um, Asian. The other one's white. The other one's black. Um, I think the other one's a bit mixed race as well. So it's before diversity was pushed in a film, able to have like a really diverse cast. And it's just really interesting work. And it's just, Wesley Snipes puts in a great performance. So, mm, No, for real. And why did you pick the film? Because I just think, I hadn't seen it in ages. And uh, me and Adam were just like, this is a classic. I don't know why I haven't seen it. But um, I'm a big fan of Snowfall and someone else did Deep Cover, which I feel kind of, they're all kind of talking about the same thing. It's just, it was just a film that, I think what made the film for me is, as I said, the Jamie Foxx talking about it. Mm. Because when you see something through another person's eyes, who's also in the industry and is an Oscar winner anyway, it gives you greater appreciation for how good something is. And his impressions were just so on point. And he basically said, he talked about the script and the quotes. So um, like one of the phrases they repeat is, Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. Which obviously is from the Bible. But at the same point, um, there's other like little quotes that get thrown in. So there's um, money talks and bullshit runs a marathon. So I see you, I wouldn't want to be you. And there's loads of, like, it's just loads of little lines yeah. that just stick in your mind. Yeah, and yeah. it's just the level of acting prowess that, that um, mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes shows is just... It's just amazing at points. Sometimes he just looks at the screen. He has such an aura as this character. And yeah. he's so believable. And his presence is always strong. And he's witty. Everybody's witty. It's just it's just very well written, essentially. And it's just the ability for them to mix a great script, a great acting, and the soundtrack. So at one point, you've got some brothers on the street singing Living yeah. in the City. And it's just, it's a cappella, And I love films that have that little bit. So there's, um, if anyone's seen Bronx Tale, which is Yes, by, love a Bronx yeah. Tale. Yeah, so when it's um, directed by Robert De Niro, they've got that little bit of the little quartet on the street singing, mm. which seems to have disappeared from society and from films now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, we need to bring um, it back. Yeah, we do need to bring it back. So it has those little elements, like everything that's good about that film. It's a kind of film like the, there's talk of them making a new Scarface. They should probably make a new version of this, really, if they're going to make yeah. remakes, even though this is a classic. But, I think uh, maybe not up. make a new version, just do another film, because I feel yeah. like that story can be explored even further as we're seeing now and we're looking back at history of how the government played a role and all these yeah. different things and, um, you know, the birth of crack cocaine and in certain you know societies and yeah. how that was the breakdown of um certain neighborhoods so i think you can always educate people that are completely unaware and just be like those people just want to take drugs and those people yeah, yeah, exactly. and, you know you allow people to have a little bit more compassion and understanding that actually the uh, the chips were stacked against them and um, yeah. it's kind of set up also it shows the hardness of from chris rock's character mm when you're addicted to try and get clean it's not an easy process and you can have the the best will in the world but that little bit of temptation can take you back down the rabbit hole and that's what happens to him essentially and it's a situation where a lot of people go through that it's not easy to get clean we've seen big examples that with all the willpower in the world one bad day and one bad situation can can drag you back down and then we have negative consequences and even for nino he's obviously a very intelligent person but 
born in the wrong place, in the wrong era, he's not able to utilize that to become an Elon Musk. Instead, mm. he becomes a businessman in the drug world. Mm. So it's very rare that any person that becomes good at anything in life um, doesn't wouldn't have transferable skills that could be used for a positive thing. It's often a case that some kind of drug kingpin could have quite easily been a fortune 500 business CEO. It's just that where he lived, you couldn't get into that school. Um, you didn't have that teacher. You didn't have that um, tutor. You didn't have that program that can drag you in. So your idols, your role models were other criminals. So you followed that path and then you used your intelligence that you had, that you learned from the streets that got you all the way to the top. And then you end up hurting people along the way. But the same point, I would say, if you take that person out of that situation when they were younger, they'd be mm. a completely different person. You're not, um, you're not born to be a drug dealer as such. Exactly. So Nino would have had that energy, that confidence, that drive, that business acumen, but he could have put it towards something positive. There's more opportunities for him, but there's no opportunity. So yeah. And often what you see or what is depicted is that a lot of these drug lords are quite intelligent and it's just circumstance that, yeah. has led them to this um so you can imagine like you're saying if they had different circumstances and were raised in a different environment that they would be super successful and um rich so to speak um interestingly enough this film is made six months apart from boys in the hood and which is another cult classic um a little bit more aggressive and darker um mm -hmm in its approach of storytelling, but do you have a preference in the two of how the stories were told or you? I think they're both told really well. It's, hmm. I think both show the duality of existence when it comes to crime. You've got, in terms of boys in the hood, you've got Trey who is just trying to go to university, trying to pass his test, his friend trying to get a scholarship, but hmm. his brother, Doughboy, is into crime. And the same point, even even though you're somewhat into crime or you live in that gangster life, you've still got other family members who are just trying to live a normal life. And that point whereby they cross paths with that other gang yeah. is what ends their life. And it's, it's negative masculinity. Mm. If, if either party had backed down and just kept it moving, then the brother will be alive. Instead, instead he dies. Um, so it just shows that within any community there's multifaceted stories there's different mm. people who are just trying to survive and not everybody makes it out um boys in the hood was kind of an example for me because i was growing i grew up with just my mom in my house and i'd go to see my dad at like school holidays so i was like yeah. that situation my mom would always be like oh, i'm gonna send you to live with your dad like trey <laughs> so i always had that connection with boys in the hood <laughs> from more of a negative perspective than a positive one but again they're, they're two classics i think boys in the hood has that more universal exa of example for life so most of us aren't in in gangs and we're not taking crack cocaine but at the same point with boys in the hood we come from a lot of us come from single parent backgrounds mm. so there's lots of crossovers in that storyline that we can relate to or we know that friend that um is good at sports and could go somewhere or we know that friend that's maybe living a more negative path but just needs a right person to talk to them yeah um so yeah it's got more universal crossover i think mm. and going back to wesley snipes um this seemed to be his breakout role before this he was famously known for being in michael jackson's video how did you fare his performance in this because i for me anyway i just felt like he was 
for it being his like debut, so to speak, he really stood his ground. He was really menacing. And he had that like, I think what most kind of villain main characters have, which is charm, but are scary all at the same time. Yeah. I think there's a case, even during the film, they play Scarface and he's somewhat the black Scarface to an extent yeah. with Wesley Snipes, Wesley Snipes' own twist, his own charisma, his own confidence, his own acting ability, which is completely different to Al, Al Pacino's. Yeah. So he just kind of embodied that role and you believed Nino Brown. You yeah, believed, You believed his anger. You mm. believed in his charm. You believed when he's in the club and he's dancing, and he's having fun. Yeah. Um, you yeah. believed that, yeah, he says my brother's keeper, but he's going to cheat on his his friend's girl. So you believe all that stuff because mm. Wesley did such a good role. Got, he did a good, such a good job of embodying that character. And he went on to do a similar role when it came to um, Demolition Man, when he oh, played... Um, love yeah. Demolition Man so Simon much. Phoenix. When he played Simon Phoenix, it was That's a case where by... Yeah, and he's so so good at that. And there was, there was a period I would say with acting, you have different periods where one actor's the guy. So mm. at that moment in time, Wesley Snipes was the guy. Before yeah, that, he was the man. Um, Eddie Murphy was the man. After that, Will Smith became the man. Yeah, and the rocks and the, the man in this era. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like um, obviously Denzel's been all the way through, but yeah, <laughs> acting type roles, um, and they're all different as well, which, mm. which is weird. It's like Snipes is very different to. Um, Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy's different to Will Smith. Yeah. And I think that was Snipes' his chance to show what he could do. Mm. And he just needed the scripts and he just needed the, the movies to allow him to kind of show his full powers as such. And Demolition Man did give him that chance to do that. After that, there wasn't many opportunities to really show what he could do. Yeah. But in this role, is a classic film, classic performance and... Like I said earlier, Jamie Foxx says it's Oscar worthy. I thought it was Oscar worthy. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. It was. Um, unless until when he did Blade, which I adored Blade. I thought it was brilliant as someone who likes that genre of um film. But you did touch upon Scarface. Talking about drug lords, is he one of your favorites um compared to Scarface, of course, and Walter White and Frank Lucas and all of those people how do you think he fares amongst the infamous um i think scarface is such a cult following (laughs) be careful what you say okay (laughs) it will come for you (laughs) yeah with every um mtv cribs you watch is always like and i've got scarface in the in in the dvd collections where people don't even have anymore um um, and it's it's al pacino i mean it's an amazing job but then i like I went, for, I went for a phrase which everyone goes through where I watched all the Mafia movies, basically. So I liked Goodfellows, I liked Casino, I liked Godfather, um, the Bronx Tale, as you know. So it's a situation where there's lots of great characters out there. And Tony Montana is obviously, again, super strong. You believe what he's going through. But then um, my favourite Al Pacino performance is Carlito's Way, where he's a guy who's come out of prison and he's trying again to just go straight, but the lifestyle just drags him back bit by bit. And again, a little bit of negative masculinity, like mid- midway through the movie, drags him back into the lifestyle. Because he was born like that in terms of that 
that areas like you act a certain way when certain people do things to you he could have walked away didn't walk away and then by the end of the film he gets the repercussions of that so Carlito Way is probably one of my favorite films I probably put that over Scarface actually yeah um, this is more of a mature performance by Al Pacino I, I would agree point. recklessly I would agree <laughs> but um going back to New Jack City, the fashion, it starts off in the late 80s and it goes into the um, early 90s. The fashion's amazing. Do you have any favourite like scenes of Wesley when he's wearing the amazing outfits? Like for me, it's the white suit. Yeah, I was going to say that it shows at that moment he goes from, at the beginning of the film, he's on Run the MC in the open top Jeep. And then as soon as they do, they take over the carter and the money starts coming in, he goes and gets that suit tailored. And yeah. as a man, like when you've got, you're doing okay, you can get a suit tailored. It's like a little milestone in your life. Mm-hmm. It's buying your first car. It's if you're into watches, it's buying the Rolex. Yeah. And the suit tailored is like, actually, this is designed for me. It's designed for my body. It's not just off the peg. It's literally, and it fits you perfect. It's like a, a glove as such. Mm-hmm. Um, so you could know, visually if you know what it's like buying suits you knew at that point they're doing well yeah so you didn't need to see the chain anymore so the first point is in the 80s so the run the mc look it's you trying to express your wealth to other people yeah the excessive chains and gold but then by the time they've actually made it yeah the suits are still pretty flamboyant but at the same point he doesn't need the giant chain anymore because he's living the life the house speaks for it now the car speaks for it now. He, he's already confident in himself that he doesn't have to express that much. But yeah, that white suit was really nice. Um, and then throughout that film, whether it's the glasses they've got, the hats, like everything is on point. Like they really had attention to detail. Like he's still a gangster, so he's still going to be quite show off in terms yeah. of stuff. Um, and also it's like American gangster in terms of the way that he deals with the Italian mafia. Yeah. Even though like criminals are criminals, but at the same point, you don't always want to see brothers at the bottom and it's him trying to stamp his authority he's not going to let people abuse him he's, if he's going to exploit his own people at least he'll be exploiting himself rather than giving 10 percent away which is still messed up but it just shows that he's grown in confidence he's no longer the messenger for other people and he's not going to let anyone talk to him however he likes we were talking about earlier how at the end there's that infamous speech of wesley snipes when he's basically blaming the u.s government for why this crack and he's just kind of you know if you can't beat them join them yeah uh kind of thing which i love that speech and i think it's gone on it's just it's one of those things that just keep circulating over and over again i mean we touched upon it earlier but how do you think that speech went down in the in the film like i think it's the film itself obviously the director is speaking through characters to make yeah that's obviously a statement of um Nino really making a political statement on the socioeconomic status of inner city people, especially black people at that particular time. And that if the government aren't going to help anyone, then he's a businessman, he's going to find his way to do things. But the government does the same thing in other countries. And um, it's a valid statement to make, but at the same point, we've all got our own moral compass. So you can choose to exploit people, you can choose to use people, or you can choose to not. You can choose to, if you know that everybody's in quicksand, you could either work together to get out of the quicksand or you can be someone that's trying to step on someone so you can get free. 
and Nina was someone that was trying to step on people to get free. So he can talk about the, the social economic situation whereby that's how he got there in the first place. Yeah. But at the same point, at some point you have to take personal responsibility, especially if your actions are then impacting the wider community where you're selling drugs, which uh, had a knock on effect that's killing people, making people mm-hmm. drug addicts, making children orphans or making children drug addicts as well. Um, it's not really the same as if you're money laundering just a bank and is a faceless entity to an extent, even though obviously there's still consequences yeah. when you do that. But when you're actually selling an addictive substance directly mm-hmm. to people, you have an impact on their lives and, and as you see from the um, the film itself, they show all the addicts who were just like drones and zombies in, in the, the the courtyard. So, yeah, you can make excuses and you can yeah. um, compartmentalise what you've done. But at the same point, the consequence of your actions speak for themselves. Yeah, I think it's something he tells himself just to keep going and do what he's doing. Yeah. An argument can be made that maybe legalizing drugs could help tackle the problem and then people are not doing it in the way it is. I don't yeah, know maybe, but then alcohol is legal and there's plenty of people who are drunks because of that. And dying um, from alcohol poisoning. And Yeah, exactly. And then, But then when they tried uh, prohibition, people then wanted to drink anyway, so they were drinking something that's <laughs> probably even worse. So it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to have any kind of balance should be a case where where it could be a case where it's legal but then the degree to what people want so obviously there'll be some people who want a stronger substance but Mm. if you regulate it like this is the strongest we'll sell they still might end up going to their um drug dealer anyway but then also like example with cannabis they found that the black market was still cheaper than you go into the store simply because the store's paying taxes it's got VAT, et cetera, et cetera. The mm-hmm. black market guy's not doing that. So it meant that people stayed, some people stayed with the black market. Other people who probably never would have tried cannabis at all then went to their local shop and mm-hmm. they did it and now they're doing it. Um, so it, it, it has a double-edged sword, essentially. Obviously, there's some places that are doing well with legalization and other places aren't doing so well. So it's, 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 it's hard to, to manage unless you've got a strong enough healthcare to deal with those people who then do become addicted. Yeah. You've already got on a Saturday night, lots of people who be in A and E because of alcohol abuse. Yeah. If that was in um, propelled with even more people who are legally taking drugs mm. who might be behind the wheel of a car, yeah. might operate machinery, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, um, it'd have to be managed a lot better than this country has been managing other things. One hundred percent. You never know what what the solution is. Essentially, yeah. It is um, very tricky. You touched upon um, the phrase that is a theme throughout the film, you're my brother's keeper. And at the end of the film as well, there's a little paragraph which I felt um, the filmmakers were trying to have us as a community be responsible for each other and have accountability. Um, But then when you fast forward now and you look at what the government's responsibility was and what they did to bring crack you know into the country and stuff like that it can be a little bit frustrating do you feel like there was a deeper message with that you know I'm my brother's keeper I think the deeper message is similar to um other films whereby they try and make the point it's actually I was trying to think of the film there's a film called other guys which is Will oh, yeah. 
Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg is like, um, uh, he, he kind of quotes Batman, but doesn't quote Batman. He says, oh, we're the, we, oh, no, actually they're, they're having the funeral. And then Mark Wahlberg's like, we're going to be the guys. We, it's our time to step up and take over because The Rock and Samuel Jackson die. But Will Ferrell's response is, how about millions of citizens all coming together and working to help their community? And it's such <laughs> a, like, in a com- comedy movie, it just, it's a funny line. Yeah. It comes from nowhere. But actually, the point he's making is, if everybody does look in their community and there's nowhere for criminals to hide or and their support networks for people who might fall into criminality then you'd have less crime rather than expecting the police to do everything even though obviously we pay our taxes blah blah, blah. um and it's a good point that they're making that and i think at the end of that in terms of new jack city obviously the older gentleman took the justice into his own hand when he actually kills Nina Brown. I'm not saying that people should go around killing criminals. Yeah. In point, it, it meant that the community essentially did stand up for themselves. Yeah. And I don't know if the the, the film's trying to say that everybody should be vigilantes. I don't think that's the point. No. But it just means that on smaller things, people can speak up. They can. Um, talk to the police when it comes to what's happening in their local community we can build better community relationships they can build better community relationships with us and also we just need to make sure that any community not just black community any community isn't a safe place for criminality mm. and then it means like i speak to young people it means that young people can go to school and not fear that they'll be the next lifetime victim yeah. They can just concentrate and just being young and enjoying life and being walking in certain areas without having to worry that oh, I'm from this area and this other boy's from another area and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the general point it's trying to make. Um, and also another point it makes is that you've got police officers from different backgrounds who, despite them probably not being best friends, they're still working for the same goal, which is to clean up the streets. Yeah. And your interaction with them may not go well sometimes, but if they're a good police officer, they're still trying to make the world a quote unquote safer place. Mm-hmm. I think that's why the character of um, uh, Ice T and uh, Nick Peretti are so combative to begin with because they're from two different communities, mm-hmm. and Ice T doesn't know or trust that he's there for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And, but he is, by the end of it, he explains, like, look, these are, these are my motivations. I'm not from your community, but there's universal themes here of drug addiction, criminality, people getting exploited, people getting murdered, and innocent people getting harmed. And I'm trying against that. I'm trying to stop that. There's that really nice relationship between Pookie and Ice-T, Chris Rock's character. Um, that was an interesting casting choice because Chris Rock brings the... Uh, the nitty character, but also has a humorous aspect to it. And I don't, I don't know if that's just because we are familiar with Chris Rock and I just find mo- most of what he says quite hilarious and how he delivers it. But how did you fare his performance? Yeah, I remember when I watched that, so I was oldish when I watched it in terms of I'd already seen Chris Rock stand up. Right. So I hadn't seen the young Chris Rock that's in this movie. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, wow, that's Chris Rock. <laughs> And he's different to Chris Rock, the stand-up comedian as such, because he, he embodies that character again. But he always had that energy. Mm. And he always 
could embody that kind of character because he's a good actor as such. And that was a kind of role he could probably fall quite easily into because he's from the community. He probably knows someone that's similar to that. I thought he did a good, he did a good job. And even Ice T, like Ice T's, he's a rapper really, the act. Yeah. And he was able to be a police officer. And Ice T's made a song called Cop Killer. Do you know what I mean? So he, <laughs> against... it was a very interesting casting. Yeah, exactly. Going on there. It's what he's vocally talked about. Yeah. Um, but then it was, it was good in that respect because I'm sure he learned a great perspective and mm. he, he again did a good performance. Um, at no point you feel like, oh, this is just a rapper. No, Ice T did a good job. At no point you look at Chris Rock and think, oh, he's a comedian, even though he yeah. wouldn't have been a comedian at all. But you, you see him as an actor that's given yeah. a performance. And obviously, some bits are dramatic. So when they're showing him getting more and more addicted once again, they overuse the, um, the makeup a bit, like he's super great at some points. But at the same point, it's such a short montage, they've got to make the point poignant that time has progressed. Yeah. And he's getting more and more sick, essentially. But yeah, Chris Rock does a good job. And talking about rappers turned actors and performances, I'm going to do a little quick fire round with you now. Um, so do you have any favourite rappers that turn actors like LL Cool J, Will Smith, Ice Cube? It's probably Will Smith simply because I remember Will Smith was the guy. Like People forget that Will Smith was the guy. <laughs> yeah. He had yeah. Wild Wild West, he <laughs> Grammys, he was getting nominated for Oscars, he was Ali, he's just come yeah. out with a new movie where he plays Venus Williams and Serena Williams' dad. And he did yeah. I Am Legend, Independence Day, um, Seven Pounds, uh, Pursuit of Happiness, and then a couple of terrible movies in between that. So <laughs> Will Smith was like the guy. And as someone who everybody grew up watching Fresh Prince Bel-Air, so he really went on a journey of yeah. acting self-discovery to an extent. And he could have been near in the Matrix, but he turned it down. I so, know, <laughs> until this day, like I, I've seen interviews and he's just like, yeah, I effed I up there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he did mess up, but then it would have been, because Keanu Reeves is Neo, like he's just, yeah, I mean, he's not like the most, he hasn't got that much character, he's just the one, that's it. <laughs> if, if Will Smith was the I, one. I have the biggest soft spot. Different. For Keanu Reeves, I don't know. He's just him as a human being. I think is a good guy. Um, awesome, but yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I was supposed to go to the premiere of Pursuit of Happiness. Oh, I was doing my A level, so my granddad went instead with my cousin, and they got to take a picture of Will Smith and. No. Uh, yeah. So. Um, I you were like, yeah. I could have failed. I could have failed that <laughs> that one. It's fine. Could have sacrificed yeah, it. So, yeah, they, they have that memory, and I have the memory of giving them that memory, essentially. But yeah, Will Smith, I think. Like people downplay just how big a deal Will Smith is was. Yeah, yeah. Kind of Will Smith now. The thing is, he was successful as a rapper, and just you know, and even more successful as an actor. And to do that and make that transition so successfully, no, exactly. It's, it's not easy. I think the only person that matches him is Jamie Fox. Yes, he obviously has Oscars. Jamie's a better stand-up comedian. Mm -hmm. He's probably a better actor. He's definitely a better singer. <laughs> so Ooh, wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. I think you've just said something really controversial there not really because jamie's got oscars so. i know but there are, i mean i'm uh, this is will smith did um uh ali which is a biopic yeah. jamie fox did ray biopic jamie fox like, is ray like because no, whereas will smith was a good ali but it wasn't 
like Oscar worthy. Yeah. So he got nominated but didn't win. Jamie Foxx after that, he's good in um uh Django, even though it's a limited role. And he was Django was supposed to be Will Smith. Will Smith read the script and he said, There's not enough dialogue for this guy. He's not the main character. And really, when you watch Django, he's not the main character. Uh, Chris, Christoph Waltz's character. Yeah. Way more that's, yeah. That's why Will should turn it down. Mm. I don't know. Jamie Foxx did an amazing job. Jamie Foxx, Jamie Foxx. But in, when, when Jamie Foxx does um, uh, Jarhead, when he plays like a sergeant major, yeah. he's really good at that. Mm. Um, so Jamie's like really strong when he wants to be certain characters. Yeah. Um, no, I, do, I, lo- I'm, I love Jamie. I'm not disagreeing. I just think that's an amazing controversial statement. I don't, I don't think it, it undermines Will Smith either. Will Smith is amazing in his own right. Yeah. I just think Jamie's levels above in terms of he can really embody different characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a chameleon. Yeah. Really good chameleon. Exactly. And he's... He, He's super talented. And mm. he, he can do piano and do comedy at the same time. Yeah, like, he's one of those really annoying people that are just too—you're just too good at everything. Like... Multiple superpowers. <laughs> yeah. Everyone else just wants to fly, and he's out here with flying X-ray vision. Yeah, just doing yeah. yeah, the, the works. We touched upon music earlier on, and there's some cameos in there by Teddy Riley and Keith Sweat shaking his hips. Guys in it as well, so is um Flavor Flav. Yes, Flavor Flav. Were guys the ones who were singing? Yeah. Yes, around the five yeah. bit. I feel like my youth was just coming back to me. My brother playing all these like CDs, but yeah. <laughs> Are you a fan of swing? I loved, I loved all the music in it. So um, I'm like an old school person. I don't know any new music at all. So, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I just enjoyed the whole soundtrack. Like yeah. I loved the soundtrack for um. Bronx Tale, like I love that soundtrack. Like that era, it's just slow and just it fits everything. Mm. And even like the 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 more Italian music, because it just fits that era. So yeah. I love I love those soundtracks that that really propel the, the the film forward. Sometimes it seems like in our time now they'll just get a famous rapper to mm. do a song. It doesn't even fit the movie. Like yeah. at no point does it fit any scenes in the movie. Mm. It just happens they wanted a big name so they could promote the film. Whereas yeah. back in the day, any song was in a particular scene. Or yeah. if there was a musical interlude, it was they're in a club and the uh, the performer or the group's actually in the club yeah. performing. And it just happened to be the background, which is quite cool now. Yeah. Um, cool, cool for then. I think now maybe egos would get involved so you wouldn't be able to do that anymore. So exactly. it doesn't happen that often. But... Um, back in the day, it was cool to have them like, oh yeah, this they're going to perform now. Wesley Snipes is dancing, but then the yeah. scene continues. They walk past each other. Um, so yeah, the way they integrated music, I thought was really seamless. Yeah. Do you have your favourite Wesley Snipes movies or movie? My probably favourite is a mixture of this and Demolition Man because mm. um, I like Stallone as well. So Demolition Man is just a really strong performance. Yeah. Stallone and from Wesley Snipes. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a mixture of these two would be up there for me. What's your most underrated Wesley Snipes film? I don't know. I think most of them are pretty highly rated. So mm. I go like Blade, but there's talk of, obviously there's going to be a new Blade. So they're debating whether he'll be a cameo within that because Mahershala Ali is, is the new Blade. Yeah. Um, Which I, I like... I yeah, think. I think people don't understand that Blade 
somewhat started this superhero genre mm. and it doesn't get the props it deserves in terms of it, the budget was big at some points but the, the technology is kind of terrible when you watch it back yeah so <laughs> technology is really bad but without even that it's still a cult classic and it's still enjoyed yeah and from there snipe was obviously near the end of his career in terms of like fame wise mm. of being at the top when he came to play and it kind of gave him another boost um but it doesn't get in terms of the marvel universe it doesn't mm. get the praise it deserves so i think yeah. Blade will probably be the most underrated I agree. And so for those crazy people that haven't watched this movie, if you had to direct them to YouTube to entice them, uh, what clip would you want them to see and why? The clip when Nino finds out that they had to blow up the Carter and then they have like a meeting and Nino that comes, was in, scary. comes in with his dog and he's like, <laughs> swinging the chain around. And it's kind of like your mum comes home and finds out the, <laughs> the washing up. The, the belt is coming out. <laughs> like you and your brothers and sisters are like sat in the living room just waiting because you know something's going to happen. You don't know who's going to get it. You just know yeah. someone's going to get it. Someone's going to get asked the question and they're going to probably throw you under <laughs> the bus. So everybody's sweating. And it's just such a strong scene. And even when someone reacts, it was just like, uh sit your five dollar ass down before i make change and he just said it so fast and so like the bars in that are so good yeah the bars are just on point like it's just that's what the scripts are strong from start it is that's not the strongest bit whereby they're um it's just witty straight away no hesitation he gets in there and you 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 notice it felt like a scene that was filmed in one take yeah i felt the fear from where I was sitting, I was like, I'm scared now. Like, I just feel like yeah. at any point, anyone could get it. It doesn't matter yeah, who exactly. you are. Exactly. You didn't know what's going to happen. Yeah, you can you go for being my brother, and now I will be the one to take you out. Exactly. And um, that bit at the end when he shoots uh, his friend, yeah, this was like, even I was like, yeah, you've got, you've got to get got, though, don't you? <laughs> like, you've messed up the whole operation. Yeah, exactly. You've got to, you know, he's got to do it. <laughs> and a little tear goes down his eye. Yeah, that was, and I was like, oh no, this is, it's quite emotional. I thought it was really good. No, but I totally agree with you. I think that one and um, maybe just the courtroom scene when he has that little monologue, but um, action wise, if you saw that one when he stabs the guy in the hand, you would want to know like what on earth. Who's this guy? How's he got all this energy? (laughs) Why is he the boss? Yeah, you want to, yeah, you have more questions um, that you need answered. But Antoine, you have been spectacular, so insightful, informative. And I just want to thank you so much for coming on Black Ink Cinema podcast. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, I look forward to seeing the rest of the episodes and people discussing their films. It's been a good chat. No, it's been amazing. And for those who want to watch it, you can go watch it on Amazon. And I'm sure there's a few other places, but yeah, you can go and catch it there. But wishing you all the best. And I can't wait to watch that documentary. Thanks a lot. Enjoy the rest of your evening. You too.